Hello, this is For the Love of Film Podcast. I'm your host, Scott David Chase. Um, this is going to be a kind of unique episode. I'm doing it in, I guess it'll be six parts, seven parts, including this little intro. Um, so the new Mission Impossible movie opens in five days. Today is June, or I'm sorry, July 22nd, the tail end of it. Um and I've not, I've never seen any of the Mission Impossible movies. Uh, some people, I've found out, find that hard to believe. But um, I'm not a huge Tom Cruise fan, and um, you know I haven't intentionally avoided them. I just, I never saw the first one, and then when it started to become a franchise, I just didn't have much interest. But um, the new one, which the title of it actually eludes me right now seen the preview a bunch this year and it looks interesting to me and I decided I wanted to I, I definitely wanted to see it but I wanted to go into the the new movie having full knowledge of the previous films so uh, I'm going to watch the five previous installments in the next five and a half days and I'm going to review them one at a time so um, I'm about to start watching the first Mission Impossible film now. Uh, I probably won't watch it all tonight because it's around 11 o'clock at night on Sunday and I do have to work tomorrow, uh, not till noon, but so I think I'll probably watch a bit of it tonight and then watch the rest of it tomorrow and then I'll give you my recap on that. And, you know, this will all be one podcast, so it's going to be a brief summary of my thoughts on each of the five movies and then this will end with my review of the sixth one at the end of the week. So, uh, yeah. I'll get back with you as soon as I finish watching Mission Impossible. All right, so I just finished watching Mission Impossible. Uh, first film, uh, Brian De Palma directed it from 1996. So it's 22 years old, and it definitely feels 22 years old. Um, the green screen and computer-generated images uh, do not mesh well. I mean, they look very dated. Um Biggest thing, so Brian De Palma is, you know, a fairly well-respected director. Uh, he did Carrie, he did The Untouchables, he's done a lot of stuff. But he's kind of, he, I mean, he uses ridiculous angles in a lot of his films. He also, um, I don't know, I don't think he's very good with actors, so a lot of, there's a lot of overacting in this movie. I mean, I feel the same way, felt the same way watching this movie from 1996 as I do watching a James Bond movie from the early 70s. It definitely feels dated. Um, but it's, you know, not all movies from this time period feel this way. So, um, you know, it, it maybe the fact that I've seen so many action films that came after this, this one felt quaint, but, uh, you know, it felt a little silly. Like, it almost felt like... Um, you know, like a, it was just a hair shy of being a Naked Gun film in how ridiculous a lot of the stunts and things were and setups. And, you know, it was funny seeing how slow the technology is uh, 22 years ago compared to everything that we have today. Um, it's also surprisingly slow moving. I mean, action movies have quickened in pace so much in the last two decades, but, uh, you know, I, I will say for this one, uh, Tom Cruise was not my least favorite part of the movie. Um, 
and it's you know it was sort of the entry level uh, entry position into this. I didn't know that Emilio Estevez was in this movie. Um, spoiler if you haven't seen it, but you know I hadn't seen it in 22 years, so if you haven't seen it now, you obviously don't care. Um, Emilio Estevez. I figured because I didn't know he was in the series. I figured he was going to die pretty early on. He lasted longer than I thought, but he died in the like the first like caper gone wrong. Um, I don't know. I just maybe if I saw this when it came out, I would have been excited by it. But uh, this movie bored and annoyed me. Um, yeah, I would give Mission Impossible one uh, five stars. But uh, yeah, so I'm going to keep going. Uh, I'll check back in after I watch Mission Impossible 2, which I'm widely told by a lot of people that it is the worst one, so we'll see. Alright, so I just finished Mission Impossible 2. This is the one that everyone I know who likes this series and is a fan of this series says is the worst entry in the series. Um, I didn't actually find that to be the case. I mean... It's a ridiculous movie, uh, but I did find it more watchable than the first one. The first one, for the most part, was pretty boring. Um, oh, here's Metallica playing over the end credits. Um, this DVD has the Metallica video for the song I Disappear, which, uh, fun fact, little trivia, this was the very last video and song that Jason Newstead recorded with Metallica before he quit the band about a year later. Anyhow... Um, yeah, I found the first one was boring and unbelievable. I mean, this one was incredibly unbelievable, but it's high, fast-paced, and, um, I mean, just, it moves along for the most part at a pretty quick clip. Uh, I mean, this movie was made in 2000, so it's 18 years old, definitely feels dated but it feels far less dated than the first film as far as the technology goes all of the disguises with face swapping that take place in sometimes in the matter of 90 seconds where there's uh, realistic masks that completely hide someone's identity i mean it it, it makes the nicolas cage john travolta film face off seem realistic by comparison but uh and there's I, I think there's like four times where someone is disguised as tom cruise or tom cruise is disguised as someone else um there was a little of that in the first one but there's far more of that in this also his character ethan hunt just character wise is, seems very different than the the character in the first film um uh, I mean, his look is very different because Tom Cruise's hair is relatively long in this movie, which John Woo was in love with having it whip all around uh, and do all sorts of silly things. Um, also, apparently, Ethan Hunt is an uh, is a um, expert motorcycle rider, uh, a master marksman, uh, a, you know, a world class cliff climber. And, you know, expert race car driver. He's basically, everything he does in this film, he does to a superhuman level, which is pretty ridiculous. But he also seemingly falls in love with Tandy Newton's character after only seeing her twice. And we're supposed to believe that he's going to 
put everything in his, I don't know, in his, his entire career on the line to help her, even though she's someone that they're just using to accomplish their impossible mission in this film. So, I don't I know that uh, Michelle Monaghan's character is introduced in the next one, so, uh, and I know that she's in the, you know, the sixth one as well, so I'm assuming her character reoccurs a lot. So I don't know how they're going to explain what happens to Tandy Newton, because apparently that's, at the end of this movie, you're led to believe it's, it's uh, you know, the love of Ethan Hunt's life, but uh, obviously that won't be the case, so we'll see how it goes. I'm also excited because I know that Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman, is in part three, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. So, um, yep, and there's Limp Biscuit, uh, who remade the the theme song for this movie. Um, it's also interesting, I didn't know William Mapather was in this movie, who is Tom Cruise's cousin, most well-known as... Uh, Ethan on the TV show Lost. Uh, it's the only film I've ever seen them in together. Uh, I don't know if it's the only film they've done together, but it's the only one I remember. Um, he's not a very charismatic or likable actor. Um, I mean, he plays a good villain, and he plays a, a villain in this. Uh, Doug Ray Scott, who is the lead uh, antagonist in this, was originally supposed to play Wolverine in the X-Men series, and I'm glad they ended up having Hugh Jackman because, uh, I don't know, I feel like Doug Ray Scott is an insufferable actor and he's very hammy in this. And, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I guess it's good for a villain because I was glad when he died, but, yeah, um, you know, I'm looking at the menu of the DVD now and there's doves flying everywhere. And the scene that they're using, it's actually pigeons, but flying doves is a familiar motif in a lot of John Woo's movies and definitely in this. Uh, a lot of slow motion, a lot of fire, a lot of explosion, unnecessary explosions. So it's definitely an over-the-top late 90s, early 2000s uh, action extravaganza. Um, yeah, I'd give it a 6 out of 10. So I just finished watching Mission Impossible 3. Um... This was the first in the series that I actually enjoyed watching. Um, the introdu- introduction of Michelle Monaghan was cool. Um, you know, I've seen her in the previews for the new one, so obviously I know that she's still part of the franchise. Um, uh, there was no, I mean, there was a six-year gap between this and uh, Part Two, um, which. Timeline-wise, that's the biggest gap between these films so far. And there's no real explanation of what happened to Tandy Newton's character, uh, which I'm fine with. It's just, you know, I mean, it's very similar to James Bond movies that way, um, where they just move on to the next uh, love interest. But, uh, um, yeah, I didn't realize until watching this movie that this and doing some research that this was J.J. Abrams' directorial debut. Um, which, you know, J.J. Abrams is kind of the modern-day Steven Spielberg in that he makes great 
fun popcorn flicks. Um, this was certainly, while still fantastical, this was certainly um, the most realistic. And also, this is the first one where I really got a sense of the characters, particularly Ethan Hunt's character. Um, and uh, uh, good, it developed the relationship that he has with Luther, Ving Rhames' character, even more. So I enjoyed that, too. Um, I know that Ving Rhames is basically not in the next one. So, uh, you know, that's kind of, kind of a bummer, but whatever. And then, uh, I know uh, this was the first film with Simon Pegg's character, and I know that he ends up being in the films much more. But, uh, yeah, this one was, I, I like this one more. I'd give this a 7 out of 10. So I'm going to watch, uh, the, the fourth one, which I think is called Ghost Protocol, uh, probably tonight. Alright, so I just finished watching the fourth one. I, Ghost Protocol, I think it's called. Um, this is definitely the most um, melodramatic. Um, There's a whole thing with uh, Ethan Hunt and his wife. Uh, and the end of this ties into the next one, which I also believe ties directly into the sixth one. So it's the first, I guess this is the first one that directly leads into the next one um this is i didn't know until i started watching this that this was brad bird's live action directorial debut um not quite as good as the jj abrams one uh biggest thing is uh i mean i think it suffered a lot from not having ving rames in this i mean yes he is he's in one scene at the very end but for the most part he is not in this movie um Simon Pegg, Jeremy Renner, and Paula Patton are uh, uh, Tom Cruise's uh, team, mission team in this movie. Jeremy Renner's fine. He's playing the character that Jeremy Renner plays in almost everything that he's in. And uh, uh, Simon Pegg, I don't know. I think a lot of people like him in this. I just find his character very similar to every other role Simon Pegg plays where he's kind of annoying. Um thinks he's very funny, but uh, I just think his character's kind of annoying. And then Paula Patton is, you know, I talked about her in the movie Traffic earlier this year. She's just a, she's a bad actress. She always looks, she has this look on her face like she's trying to remember her lines, and uh, either that or has just eaten some bad shellfish. So um, I don't enjoy her. Uh, I mean, she's beautiful uh, to look at, but as far as, like, an actress... Not very good. Um, this one had a lot of big set pieces. You know, there's, uh, there's a scene with Tom Cruise climbing Tower in Dubai, which is the largest building in the world, which actually, even watching it at home video, made me a little queasy. Um, I have a bit of thing with heights. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this was enjoyable, but I noticed in the last half hour myself tuning out quite a bit, so not as good as part three. So I would give... Mission Impossible 4, uh, a 6 out of 10. Yeah. Alright, so I just finished watching... Oh god, I don't remember what it's called. It's the fifth Mission Impossible movie. Uh, Rogue, Rogue Nation? No, that's the new one, I think. Uh, I don't remember what it's called. But it's the first one that Christopher McQuarrie wrote and directed. It's also the first time that in the series where... The director was also the screenwriter. Uh, he co-wrote the story, screenwrote it, and um, 
this is the first one that didn't really have a conclusion. I mean, it did have a conclusion, but um, not quite as satisfying. I think this is the first one where the the antagonist didn't die at the end. Um, and obviously, based on the trailers, we know that Solomon Lane, who's the villain in this, uh, is in the next one as well. Uh, so, looking forward to seeing the new one. Uh, this one, it, not a cliffhanger, but a lot of stuff changes. So, um, you know, I enjoyed it. It's uh, It really took till about the third one for me to like, certainly Ethan Hunt's character, um, uh, Luther, uh, Ving Rhames' character has appealed to me since pretty much the second one. Um, Simon Pegg was less annoying in this one. I was texting my friend Bob last night about how I really don't enjoy Jeremy Renner in this, um, I don't know, it's just a very bland character, which he often plays. Uh, he's very bland as Hawkeye in the, in the Marvel movies, too. So, um, Alec Baldwin is now a part of the franchise. So, you know, they keep adding people. Um, Rebecca Ferguson was great in this. The Kind of the first time the female character's been a really strong presence in the film. So I'm interested to see how this carries over. Uh, in the next one. So hopefully I'll see the Mission Impossible 6 in the next day or two and uh, conclude this little review. All right, good morning. It's uh, um, I saw Mission Impossible Fallout, which I'm, I'm surprised I actually remember the name of it. Uh, uh, saw it last night, uh, but I got home just past 2 a.m., so I, uh, I did not record this right afterwards. Um, had fun. Had fun at it. Um, I'm realizing also now that I did not give a numerical value to part five, so I would give part five a uh, a six. Um, uh, this was so. This was obviously the first Mission Impossible that I saw in the theater, and I saw it in like a Dolby Super Deluxe Experience Bells and Whistles theater. Not intentionally. I didn't realize that's what I had purchased the ticket for. Um, for those of you of uh, Movie Pass, Movie Pass was unavailable for a lot of this past weekend, and uh, a lot of us thought it was done for. Apparently, it's not quite yet. But uh, I actually saw a double header, literally the first time I've ever done movies back to back this close, where actually Mission Impossible uh, f- started. 10 minutes before the previous film, uh, blood spotting, uh, blind spotting, not blood spotting. Um, mission impossible started 10 minutes before it ended. So I made sure to check beforehand to see how long the previews were for mission impossible. And there were 23 minutes of previews. So I was fine. I still had, um, about 10 minutes of previews when I, um, when I got into mission impossible, but I literally just left one theater, walked down the hall and walked right into the other one. Um, so it was, you know, four plus hours of movie, uh, movie theater sitting back to back. But, um, yeah, this was uh, a little long. Uh, it felt about 15 to 20 minutes too long. It had almost every character who's still alive from the series in it, um, 
Jeremy Renner was not in it because he's busy in the Marvel universe, which to 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 me is fine because I, I don't really enjoy Jeremy Renner's character in this in the Mission Impossible movie, so I didn't miss him per se. Um, but uh, yeah, it was an exciting movie. It's if you like the Mission Impossible movies, you'll like this. Um, I really feel the the last three have all tied together very well and this continued that quite well it also tied up it, I, I felt like it put a nice bow on the uh, relationship between uh, Tom Cruise's character and his ex-wife played by Michelle Monaghan um, uh, and it, you know this certainly leaves room for them to do another one and another one. And I'll be honest, this is a series that took a while for me to really get going. And, um, it does seem to be getting better as it goes along. So, you know, I'd probably go see a seventh one in a couple years. Um, I kind of need a mission impossible break right now, but that's cause I've, you know, watched 12 plus hours of mission impossible in the last week. So, um, you know, uh, some people have complained about Henry Cavill's uh, accent, and it was fine to me. Um, I did comment to my buddy Greg that uh, I did get a kick out of the fact that Superman was so far the only person to have uttered the word fuck in the Mission Impossible franchise. Um, Henry Cavill says it in this one, and because it's a PG-13 movie, you can only say it once, but... So he got it in, but, uh, yeah. Um, I would give Mission Impossible Fallout a 7. It was an entertaining popcorn movie. If if you like these movies, this will give you more of what you like. Um, if you're not sure, you know, if you can kind of take them or leave them, then this is not going to change your mind. Um, it was fun, but ultimately kind of disposable as far as how I'm concerned with it, uh, I, I, you know, I don't need to see it again. Uh, it, I, I can't imagine that it holds up to repeat viewings. So, yeah, all in all, the Mission Impossible series started out slow for me and picked up and got better over time. So, yeah, uh, you know, and, and, and I do think that Tom Cruise is getting better at playing this character the more he does it. So, yeah for whatever that's worth. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Mission Impossible, better than I expected, but still not an amazing franchise. Solid six franchise. And, uh, the, the last couple episodes, last couple installments have been slightly better than the first half of the, the franchise. Well, uh, thanks for taking this Mission Impossible journey with me, and uh, I'll talk to you again soon.